Mankind loves to move the responsibility away from the self and as far away as possible to others, to other things, to other systems. But really, there's no replacement for the hard work that comes from relationships, that comes from pouring in to our children, pouring into the community around us. But as humans, as mankind across the board, myself included, we love to move that loci, locus of responsibility away from ourselves. And we love to build cogs and systems. And we could say, oh, if we can only build this external system that we can push people through, we'll all come out on the right side of history. We'll all come out being better for it. We can fix all the problems of society if we fix the other rather than fixing ourselves. But we've seen, we have seen the fruit of that over the last decades, over the last century. And we know that cogs and systems in societies do not work to solve the problems of the heart. Hey, it's Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Episode 285, it is June 2nd, 2022. I'm so grateful to be back with you, and I'm grateful that you're here today on the show. I've been traveling for the last three weeks, and it has been a really a surprising detox, media detox for me. Uh, traveled to a couple different places with my family, some work, some business. And in that time, I was very intentional not to get a SIM card. And thereby, I was really disconnected from the world for about two and a half, three weeks. And it was so refreshing being disconnected from quote unquote social media. Uh, Social media is not social. And I don't really think that it's media. But in this time of just being disconnected more or less from the world, I realized that most of what goes on in the social media sphere is just fear mongering and, and, and the manufacturing of rage to drive more likes, drive more comments, drive more interaction. And that's not just done by an algorithm, but that's done by individuals and human beings who are curating and posting content. Why? Well, because we know that if we post something that is going to get a rise out of people, it will get a rise out of people. And that is just, it's so wearing and tiring on the human soul. Uh, I've been talking a lot about mediated relationships and how social media platforms like MySpace, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, it has done some amazing things for the world. It has connected people who weren't able to be connected. It's been able for people to find their tribes and people who are like them. And that's a a positive thing in some sense. But it can be a negative thing in many other senses as it creates this mediated world of relationships and friendships where all of a sudden we do not have to engage with people around us. We're not forced to find our relationships with people around us who don't think like us, who don't 
feel like us, who see the world differently. And that causes us to be forced to have to interact and learn how to handle our relationships around us with people who generally, most of the time, disagree. Because online, we can find ourselves in these echo chambers of mediated relationships that feel real, but they're actually just facades. The interactions that we're having are facades. We scroll through the media doing likes, likes, comments, likes, thinking that it's some sort of engagement, that some sort of interaction, that we're connecting with the world, that we're connecting with our friends. But it's a facade because it's all mediated by a screen. It's not actually driving connection. It's not actually building relationship. In 2021, after everything was going down with Afghanistan and greatly increased workload on me, And this podcast, it was just nonstop. I took a three-month hiatus uh, from the show, thinking that I would go into a a season of writing. There's some things on my heart that I've been wanting to write, specifically around a a truth-driven life and how if we can live our lives by the plumb line of truth, we can live in a manner that is free. We can live a free life because I do believe it is the truth that sets us free. So I thought I was going to go into this this season, three-month season of writing. And instead, I found myself so tired and burnt out from media, tired and burnt out from intellectualism, that after a month of just nothing, I realized, man, I I need more time. And I began to reflect on what a truth-driven life is, and that's part of what we talk about in the show. It's the uncover purpose and pursue truth to own our future. Well, what is truth? What is it? And we've been on this for a couple of years now. What is truth? How do we pursue truth? And truth is not just intellectualism. Truth is not just something we can measure. It's not just something that's done by the maths or the sciences. In university, I was studying math. I was going to get a math degree. And math is often considered the study of truth as numbers don't lie. But I decided to move from mathematics to English literature because I realized that literature was the study of humanity. Was the study of people through the study of story. So I left mathematics for the study of literature. And it is it, going around these points right now, but it has made me think of our conversation that we just had back in episode 282 with Dr. Richard Smith, where we talked about the physical versus the corporeal world. If you've not listened to that episode, I strongly recommend you go back and listen to that conversation, rich and deep. But it triggered a couple things in my mind. First, the physical world is the world of physics, the world that is measurable, the world of mathematics, the world of intellectualism, where everything can be measured out, broken down, deconstructed into its finest forms, postmodernism, deconstructing every little piece of literature into its smallest form, humanity into its smallest form, and trying to rebuild it to become 
and to understand what it actually is. But then we've reduced humanity, we've reduced reality to something that really isn't real, to something that is lesser than the sum of its parts, because the sum of its parts is greater, or the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, as the saying goes. The we are greater than the sum of our atoms and our cells all combined and put together. We, the reality, society is greater than the, the little parts that go together to make up society. And so I've been thinking about this physical world, and the physical world is the world of physics, the world of science, the world of mathematics, the world of intellectualism the world of knowing truth from an intellectual standpoint, from a standpoint that says, this is what is factual and what is factual is true. And therefore only the facts make up what is true. But truth comprises of something much deeper and much greater than that. Truth is comprised of the way that we carry our lives in mercy, justice, compassion, in our generosity, truth is built up of gentleness, patience, kindness, long-suffering, endurance, belief, believing something when we can't see it. That's, that's a, an aspect of truth. That's an aspect of faith. That when, even when everything is pointing in the opposite direction, having hope, that is an aspect of living a life filled with truth. These are things that are very immeasurable. How do you measure compassion? How do you measure the depth of a relationship that you have with friends or your spouse or your kids? How do you measure the emotion that you feel from a hug. These intangible things, like work or play, like playing with your kids, this is part of living a life of truth because it goes far beyond just an intellectual understanding and things that we intellectually believe, but it's how do we walk out, how do we live out our lives in a manner that is right. Now, ultimately, Truth is God. God is truth. And his precepts, his laws, his commandments, the way that he orders us to order our lives. This is if you want to be wealthy, successful, be steadfast, and not have emotions that are all over the board, this is how you ought to order your life. That is truth. God is truth. And with that comes freedom. Truth is a thing that sets us free. Living in light, living in honesty, living in transparency, having nothing hidden, that is something that sets us free. Not just, well, this is my intellectual worldview. Not just, well, this is my logical, rational argument of why A plus B must equal C. There's something greater than that that's taking place in our lives. There's something greater that is touching 
the very core of our hearts, the essence of our souls, and infills our spirit. That is truth, and that's not measurable. But as I've been taking, I took this break, I expected, as I said, to to spend my time writing on the power of a truth-driven life, thinking of, of how there are some things that keep us from the field of truth and some things that lead us into the field of truth. For instance, something that keeps us out of, keeps us from entering the field of truth. It would be unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, selfishness, jealousy, envy. These things keep us from the field of truth, and in that field of truth we find life. Things that cause us to enter the field of truth would be forgiveness, turning the other cheek, generosity, purity, not just of of physical body, but of thought, celebrating when our enemies have victories. These are things that lead us to the field of truth, and many of these things are not measurable. But as I took a step back from this mediated world of intellectualism, I was unexpectedly driven to open a bread company, to open a bakery. And in today's world, it, and maybe this isn't true, maybe this is just in my world, there are many jobs, that blue-collar jobs, that are looked upon as something that is less than to be inspired for. Right now, the, the way the world is moving, it's office jobs, desk jobs. Those are the, the, the working with information, like we do here on the show. Those are ideals that are celebrated and put forward in the world as a way forward, as a way to be successful, working in tech and, and, and technology, and building apps or coding. But I have been unexpectedly driven to working with my hands and have realized that I've been missing a part in my life, a corporeal part, the part of working and moving things around in the physical world. And that has been strangely satisfying to me over the last seven months. As it's been a break from the illusion of likes, clicks, views, and listens, the, a break from the, the, I don't want to use the word striving, but a break from the constant labor of discerning problems and discerning solutions and, and stories in an intellectual way on this show. That will still continue. We'll still be doing that. I, I love doing that. I love being here. I love, as I said, social media is not social, nor is it media. What do I mean by that? I mean, when we're on these social media platforms on, on our devices, we're actually not engaging socially, and we're actually not consuming media. We're, we're scrolling through looking for dopamine hits, not necessarily gathering information, not necessarily growing in our knowledge base. It's all fear and rage manufacturing. 
not leading to connection. But what I love about podcasts, what I love about long-form content is that it's me and you, that I get to sit down and talk with you. Or when I'm listening to some, some, someone or something, I get to sit down and listen to them and listen to their thoughts in a long-form manner, not in a quick-hit uh, rage complex of social media that drives me to a, a three to seven second engagement alike and a scrolling down to the next post. So I hope in the coming weeks and months, you take some time to detox, to break free of the social medias, which are not social, which are not media, that just mediates your world and begin to connect once more with the deep things, the immeasurable things in your life that truly, truly matter. Yeah, that makes sense. In a post-truth society where we've exchanged truth for lies and reason for postmodern irrationality, the absurd, it finally makes sense. Well, <laughs> America is sick. America is, is very ill. It is very sick. It is apparent by the the splitting of society at its seams. Now, I currently, I do not live in America. I'm American. I don't live in America. But by looking at it from the outside in, with an insider's perspective, I, and it's easy to witness the falling of American society. We can see it in the geopolitical sphere. We can see it in the social sphere. We can see it in the, the, the infighting, the riots, the protests. We can all across the media and society, we can see that there, there's something very sick going on in American society. Uh, just last week, there was that horrific shooting in Texas. Uh, 19 children died in this mass shooting. Uh, just unthinkable. Kids, kids my son's age being senselessly, ruthlessly, brutally murdered. It, it makes you, it makes one stop and question, say, what, what is going on in the psyche of America that is causing this? Now, people have made it an issue about guns. People have probably made it, I mean, uh, on both sides. Too many guns and not enough guns. But I want to stay away from the, the guns thing because I think it's, I think that is a, it's like having an apple tree and saying, well, there's all these apples on the tree. We need to get rid of these apples. So we should pick the apples. No, we need to, more apples are going to stop apples. So we're, we're, we're arguing over the fruit of something. The world's debating over the fruit of something while neglecting to look at the root of that tree. And we talk about this all the time. Our, our thoughts create our emotions. Our emotions create our actions. Our actions then develop into habits, and those habits become our environment and our ecosystem, and that produces our destiny. So th there's a byproduct, which is mass shootings in America that is startling. The numbers are startling. 
And if we boil the argument down to firearms, we're not actually addressing the root cause of what is causing and driving people to this. Because for since America was, there's always been access to firearms. You look back into the 1800s, and everyone had access to handguns and rifles. And most of the shootings, school shootings, that happen in America today are done by handguns. So it's, it's, not, it's not an issue with firearms necessarily, but there is a, a, a dire issue that's happening in America right now. It, we're going to look at history through the 20th century to witness this. So when we look back at the 20th century, 19, the 1900s, we see that there's a startling trend starting in about 1950. Now, we're going to divide for a moment the difference between school shootings and mass shootings because they're, they're very important. And how about I hit this part first? So a lot of people, when we're talking about shootings, they're thinking about school shootings. And then you look at the number of school shootings that have happened in America even this year, and it's startling. I believe it's over 200. And you're like, oh my goodness, there's been 200 school shootings in America just this year? What on earth is going on? Those statistics are very deceiving. And it's important to understand that they're deceiving because of the way that they're counted. So anytime a gun is discharged on school property, it is considered a school shooting or a shooting incident. But most of these school shootings are gang-related violence, or it's an accidental discharge of a firearm, or it's a homicide where a, an individual is bringing a gun to a school place to kill a specific individual in just a murder, not necessarily a, a mass murder incident. So I pulled maybe half dozen incidences from the last year, from 2021 and 2022. This is from Wikipedia on examples of school shootings in America. Just to give us an idea of when you see this huge number of school shootings, what does this number actually mean? So. First one, December 8th, 2021, Kansas City, Missouri. Two teenagers were wounded in the parking lot of a high school during a basketball game. No more details than that. January 4th, 2022, Illinois. Two 17-year-olds were wounded while sitting in a car in a parking lot of Auburn High School around 1 p.m. Three juveniles fled and were later arrested. January 2022, North Carolina. Unknown individual discharged a gun in a dorm room. No injuries were reported. The bullet was later located in a fridge. January 11th, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Shooting occurred in a parking lot of the high school during a basketball game. No injuries were reported. January, 20, January 19th, Florida. 16-year-old wounded an 18-year-old student around noon over a disagreement about a dead relative. January 19th, Pittsburgh, 15-year-old boy boarded a school van to go home when school was being dismissed. Two masked gunmen approached the van and shot the boy twice in the chest. The boy died. January 21, 
Maryland, 17-year-old boy shot and wounded a 15-year-old boy in the bathroom. The victim was hospitalized. Others that I read going back to the 90s, it was a cafeteria worker was mad at another, someone else took a gun and committed a homicide. These, when you looked at the school shoot, I mean, it's like two random guys come and shoot a 15-year-old boy getting off a, a bus. That is considered a, a school shooting. But many of these incidences are actually gang-related. For instance, just this weekend in Chicago, let me find this number, just this instance in Chicago, 52 people were shot. 52 people were shot over the weekend. Nine killed, 42 wounded. Despite the city running programs to promote peace. These are criminals doing criminal acts, gang violence. Most of these shootings that we see, they're gang violence. They're people using illegal weapons with no regard for the law. So you have to ask, what is, what is going on in America that there is so much gang violence? Well, if we go back to the statistics of what we've seen happen over the last number of decades from 1950, we can look at mass shootings. So instead of looking at gang violence, instead of looking at homicides that are happening on a school premise, which is increasing, if we look at mass shootings in America, in 1950, there was one mass shooting. In 1960, there was six mass shootings in America. That jumps to 1970, where there were 13 mass shootings in America. 1980, 32 mass shootings. In 1990, there were 42 mass shootings over the decade. If you look in, in a span of five decades from 1950 to the end of the, the decade of the 1990s, mass shootings, psychopathic mass shootings, not just a murder that happened at a school, not just some gang-related violence, but mass shootings, which is really the, the disturbing factor that we're looking at in society. Jump from one to 42 in 50 years. What is going on? What is the illness that America is suffering? Because there's always been access to guns. So we, we can't say that guns is the problem. But we can say there is a problem. There is clearly a problem that is happening in America by the fact that we've gone from one mass shooting in a decade in the 50s to 42 in the 90s. 42. Now, we, we did an episode back in episode, where are we? Episode 174 about what's changed since the 1950s to 2020. Highly recommended. There's a number of things that shifted in American culture between the 1950s and the 2000s. But the majority of it has been a breakdown of a family unit, a, a, a 
breakdown of morality, a breakdown of, of faith, and a rise of sexual promiscuity, a rise of fatherless homes. And this is driving, I believe, driving the illness that is happening in America. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who survived the the Holocaust in death camps, he wrote regarding Russia, over a half century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of old people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that have befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That is why all this has happened, they said. Since then, I have spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our revolution. In the process, I have read hundreds of books, collected thousands of personal testimonies, and I have already contributed eight volumes of my own towards the effort of clearing away the rubble left by that upheaval. But if I were to be asked today to formulate a concisely, as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not have put it more precisely than to repeat, men have forgotten God. And that is why all of this has happened. Men have forgotten God. We have abandoned our families. We've abandoned the moral plumb lines. And because of it, we have a sick nation that has lost its way. And so the solution is not more guns or less guns. The solution is repairing the walls that have been broken down, repairing our family, repairing our relationships, and being ones who realize we can't fix all of society, but we can raise up a standard in our own family, in our own life, and take responsibility to put the loci of responsibility on ourselves rather than blaming other people and trying to create cogs and systems to fix something that can only be fixed through healthy relationships in the family and through believing and following and obeying a moral, upright, and just God. Well, this show is brought to you by viewers and listeners like you. This is a value for value podcast, which means we don't have advertisers here on the show keeps the show advertisement free instead we are a value for value podcast if you get value out of the show we ask that you give value back to the show in the measure that you felt you got it out of it so you can do that by visiting lucasgrobot.com backslash support and you can give value in a fiat monetary currency or if you're into bitcoin which has fallen significantly over the last number of months you can listen on a podcasting 2.0 certified app and you can stream Satoshis as you listen. Don't go away. We'll be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destiny. Today's quote 
is by Stephen Covey, who wrote the seven habits of highly effectual people and the eighth habit, habit as well. This is what Covey has to say. When it comes to developing character, strength, inner security, and a unique personality and intrapersonal talents and skills in a child, no institution can or ever will compare with or effectively substitute for the home's potential for positive influence. No institution, I'm going to repeat this, no institution can or ever will compare with or effectively substitute for the home's potential for positive influence. The home's potential. Many people, they say, ah, we need more education. Oh, we need to reform education. And we do. We need to reform it by destroying the public school system. We need to, we need more government programs. We need to have the government raise our kids because continually putting the loci of saying, well, because the family's not working right, we need to create government institutions to raise our kids instead because our kids aren't being raised by families, nor should they be raised by families. This is this whole leftist, progressive, socialist idea of saying, because the, the segment of society that ought to be raising kids isn't raising kids properly, the government ought to step in to do that instead. The issue, however, is that when the government steps in to do that, they're not doing it well, and it removes the thing that the kid actually needs that the children actually, that our society actually needs, which is connection with the family, connection with our parents, connection and love from a family. So how do we get that? How do we get back to that if we have lost that? Well, it starts by, instead of trying to fix the result of a, an issue, it's by going to the root and by working to build healthy families. It's the theme and the motif of the show, it seems. But that is what kids need. They need the positive influence, the character and the strength, the morality, knowing that there's consequences for our actions, being raised with a, a fear and respect for authority being raised with interpersonal skills and talents. These things come from the day-in, day-out touch points, from being around the dinner table, from playing with their fathers, being nurtured by their mothers. This comes from family. And I, I really do believe when we look at the illness that is happening in America, that started right around the sexual revolution. It was the attack of the family. The family unit was attacked. And because of that, it led to an increased level of fatherless homes, increased level of single parenting, where divorce became acceptable, which led to the destruction of so many lives, perpetuated over decades. And we are experiencing the fruit of that because we have forgotten God. So don't forget God. Don't forget your family. And if you want to get more out of the show, 
please share it with a friend because by sharing it, you are able to create a shared language within your community. You can strengthen your community. And that is what's going to enable you to be a leader. Leaders are people who serve and who give cohesive vision and language to those around them. Also, you can support the show by getting my book, Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting. I wrote this book a number of years ago. Uh, and I still think about the principles I speak of every day. And one of those things is uh, going deep and having a deep impact rather than a wide impact. And I would encourage you to have a deep impact with your family, even this week. Well, well, that's all for today's episode. If you have any questions, you can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero. And if your question's bad enough, I will answer it right here on the show. Until then, go out, pour into your family, live in the real corporeal world, and own your future.